For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson with a COP27 readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter. Yes, that's right. With yet another conference of the parties to the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, or COP to the FCCC for the cool kids, which makes more than two dozen now, we're getting another predictable doom fest by media outlets competing to see who can offer up the scariest headlines about how it's our last chance to avoid Armageddon, or it's just empty posturing when we need real action, or a combination of the two. For example, NBC's Climate and Crisis section says Climate and Crisis, as you'd rather expect them to do since their paycheck depends on it. Quote, Greenhouse gases in Earth's atmosphere hit record high in 2021. The UN Weather Agency published the alarming report less than two weeks before world leaders gather for the UN Climate Change Conference. Not to be outdone, The Economist says countries are slacking off on climate and disaster looms whether we act or not. Quote, The world is already experiencing increasingly erratic weather, including stronger storms and more unpredictable and extreme rainfall patterns, leading to deluges in some places and droughts in others. Even if global average temperature increases are stabilized at 1.5 degrees Celsius, that will still get worse, end quote. NBC, in another climate and crisis piece, then shrieks, quote, World nowhere near hitting climate targets, UN warns. Latest temp- estimates say temperatures will rise to 4.5 degrees Fahrenheit above pre-industrial averages by the end of the century, end quote. That's uh, 2.5 degrees Celsius, in case you're not temperature bilingual. And either way, it means everything gets it. Quote, That means the planet is on a course for a future marked by unprecedented heat waves, destructive storms and drought, as well as the extinction of animal and plant species, end quotes. Of course, these outlets are all pikers compared to The Guardian, which moans, quote, world close to irreversible climate breakdown warn major studies. Key UN reports published in the last two days warn urgent and collective action needed as oil firms report astronomical profits, end quote. Boo, oil companies! Burning up planet for profit. So evil. Still, we also have to give honorable mention to the New York Times, which thunders, quote, Climate pledges are falling short and a chaotic future looks more like reality. Severe disruption would be hard to avoid on the current trajectory, end quote. We are sliced, diced, and fried. Because, the Times says, quote, With each fraction of a degree of warming, tens of millions more people worldwide would be exposed to life-threatening heat waves, food and water scarcity, and coastal flooding, while millions more mammals, insects, birds, and plants would disappear, end quote. Each fraction? Even one-fiftieth? Or didn't you know fractions came in sizes smaller than a half? Some science reporting that is. Meanwhile, Greta Thunberg goes back to her petulant teenage roots by blasting climate summits, including COP27, as a, quote, scam, end quote, where politicians who make empty promises to thunderous applause are, quote, greenwashing, lying, and cheating, end quote. Which, while unkind, is actually not unreasonable. And next year, they will meet again at COP28 in Dubai, just on the other side of the Arabian Peninsula, to say it all again. Now, while ringing the alarm bells as hard as possible, the New York Times also published a major effort to ease off slightly on increasingly absurd climate alarmist rhetoric without dispelling the sense of urgency. Unfortunately, the piece reminded us of Marshall McLuhan's aphorism that, quote, people don't read the morning paper, they slip into it like a warm bath, end quote. You see, presumably people purchase media subscriptions to be kept well-informed, even about things they wish were not so, or perhaps especially on things they wish were not so. Uh, But it's so hard to stay focused when David Wallace Wells writes, 
Just a few years ago, climate projections for this century looked quite apocalyptic, with most scientists warning that continuing business as usual would bring the world four or even five degrees Celsius of warming, end quote. Meaning, under the preposterous RCP 8.5 scenario that most scientists knew was bunkum. Then Wallace Wells concedes, quote, Now with the world already 1.2 degrees hotter, scientists believe that warming this century will most likely fall between 2 or 3 degrees, end quote. And that's kind of reassuring, you know, unless you suddenly jerk awake and go, wait, scientists? What, all of them? Who did you ask? Uh, but maybe you don't wake up. The warmth flows soothingly over you. It relieves tensions. Quote, thanks to astonishing declines in the price of renewables, a truly global political mobilization, a clearer picture of the energy future, and serious policy focus from world leaders, we have cut expected warming almost in half in just five years, end quote. No. Actually, we've cut expected warming almost in half in just five years by fiddling the computer models. We certainly haven't reduced hydrocarbon use. And what sort of truly global political mobilization doesn't include China, India, Russia, the Middle East, Africa, or Latin America? Still, you are getting sleepy as Wallace Wells drones soothingly on, quote, Perhaps the most capacious and galvanizing account is one I heard from Kate Marvel of NASA, the lead chapter author on the fifth national climate assessment, quote, The world will be what we make of it, end quote. No, it won't. Whatever their spherical bath oil beads may do when immersed in warm water, the real Earth will remain a roughly spherical object some 8,000 miles in diameter, seven-tenths of whose surface is water, third from the sun, weighing six septillion kilograms, and subject to complex and often hostile weather whose main driver is the sun. Okay, we can't add a meringue layer, we can't change the color of the sky, we can't turn the temperature down to the ideal level even if we knew what it was, we can't even prevent Vladimir Putin from trashing Ukraine. Now, in any case, the piece then takes back what it had just given, saying due to, quote, a failure of global efforts to limit warming to safe levels, decades of only minimal action have squandered that opportunity. Perhaps even more concerning, the more we are learning about even relatively moderate levels of warming, the harsher and harder to navigate they seem, end quote. So, out of the tub and into the cold shower, where what Wallace Wells is really trying to tell us is to trust the climate science because it was totally wrong in two key ways, about how much warming there'd be and how bad warming would be. If we were awake and words had firm meanings, the message would be, don't believe settled science that gets everything wrong. Here, I'm going to interrupt myself briefly to thank all of you who are watching, and especially those who've subscribed, who are sharing the material, and who are contributing financially. And for the rest of you, I want to urge you, please do click the subscribe button because it helps other people find us. Share it directly with friends, family, co-workers, anyone you think might find it helpful, and do click here and make a pledge. $2, $3, $5, cup of coffee a month. It's what we need to keep bringing sanity to the climate debate. And now, back to the show. In the newsletter, we also note a high-speed debacle unfolding in Australia, where the incoming virtue-signaling Labour administration hadn't even done their climate plans on the front of a face cloth, let alone the back of an envelope. The new treasurer blithely assured the National Press Club that their pledge to cut power bills by $275 had been included in the budget. Then he had to say that it wasn't on the dog ate my homework claim that he'd misheard the question. 
and Sky News just warned, based on government numbers, in Britain, quote, almost half of adults finding it difficult to afford their bills with numbers rising, end quote. And, social justice warriors beware, quote, renters, those living with disabilities, and lower incomes are hardest hit, end quote. See, without energy, people are cold, hungry, and sick, and they die sooner. Real, actual people, especially poor and marginalized people. Unfortunately, instead of concerted action to increase supply and cut costs, down under, quote, Australian businesses and households can expect to fork out more for power bills over the next two years as the cost of living crisis appears set to worsen. According to Treasury assumptions, retail electricity prices are set to increase by an average of 20% in late 2022, contributing to higher forecast CPI in 22-23, and by a further 30% in 2023-24, end quote. And yes, it means what you think it means, including... No adults are in charge. Instead, projectors are. The Australian government plans to have 82% of energy from renewables within eight years because their Minister for Climate Change and Energy thinks that, quote, the cheapest form of energy is firmed renewables, even more so as global coal, coal, oil, and gas prices spike, end quote. And in case it's not, what was the plan again? Meanwhile, from the We Are All Going to Die climate file, our newsletter also quotes a warning from The Guardian that, quote, next pandemic may come from melting glaciers, new data shows, end quote. It seems that rather than raging in warm areas with lots of life to infest, a bunch of super dangerous pathogens were hiding in chilly barren Arctic spots and then the glaciers got them. Though apparently Ebola didn't get the memo in time. Now, what with climate breakdown and all, nature will have its revenge. The article tries to spook us with news like, quote, in 2016, an outbreak of anthrax in northern Siberia that killed a child and infected at least seven other people was attributed to a heat wave that melted permafrost and exposed an infected reindeer carcass. Before this, the last outbreak in the region had been in 1941, end quote. But we know, because we have Google on our computers, that anthrax is a big issue in warm places like Central and South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, Central and Southwestern Asia, Southern and Eastern Europe, and the Caribbean, where they are not spared outbreaks for six decades at a time because they are warm, whereas it's rare in Siberia because it's not. The story actually fizzles out with a warning that it's the Arctic that might get invaded by germs and not the reverse, but never mind these fiddly details, because climate change, ah, we're all going to die. Possibly by choking on media gall. In the newsletter, we also continue our Everybody Knows feature with this familiar claim that Tuvalu and other small Pacific islands are disappearing due to climate change. Quote, rising sea levels are threatening this Pacific paradise, end quote, warned CNN in 2019. Two years later, the Tuvalu foreign minister became an internet sensation by addressing the UN COP26 summit while knee-deep in water. And don't think these warnings are new. Back in 2005, The Guardian said, quote, Tuvalu is likely to be the first state in the world to be submerged by rising water levels. According to scientific estimates, the islands will be severely flooded within the next 15 to 20 years, and by the end of the century, the islands will have disappeared from sight altogether, end quote. Now, guess which alarmist slogan is all wet? Because if you search for news online about Tuvalu's sinking problem, you will notice amongst the alarmist tidal surge, occasional links to articles like, quote, sinking Pacific nation is getting bigger, study, end quote. Because, you see, for many years, researchers have been reporting that Tuvalu and other islands like the Maldives, and yes, we do know they're in the Indian Ocean, though I misspoke myself in an earlier video, these islands have been growing. But journalists and politicians don't bother to check because everybody knows that they are sinking due to climate change. 
In the newsletter, we also wrote an English translation of an interview with prominent German climatologist Bjorn Stevens, where he pulls no punches about the alarmist bias of so many of his colleagues, and also the way that, quote, many scientists use the children's book clouds as a guide because they are easier to simulate, end quote, than the real, very thin kind. To our surprise, a cloud the size of a building only holds a liter of water. In the computers, it's a different story. Speaking of which, from the co2science.org archive, we present a study of efforts to model clouds that shows that it's not going well. The computers just can't handle it, so the programmers make stuff up instead. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I have my head in the clouds to see what they're really like.